Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for the second of our positional reviews for the 2023 season. This one for cornerback. Joining me is my co-host from One Last Thing, Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? Doing great, Ken. Um, you know, uh, as as time moves forward, we get a little bit further from uh, from the disappointing end of the season. Now uh, uh, we heal by analyzing, uh, you know, what was and what might be. Yeah, see, it is cathartic a little bit to go through some of this thing. And and one of the positions where I think you really kind of get a sense of how our expectations for the season grew a lot just during the year is at cornerback, where they were looking like they were in all sorts of trouble entering the season. Humphrey Hurt, of course, uh, Ronald Darby and Rock Yassin holding down one spot, Brandon Stevens on the other, and we didn't have a lot to go on on Brandon Stevens at the beginning of this season. He played a little bit you know, the previous year, but definitely some, some, a troubling start for the position this season. Yeah. I mean, you said it, uh, I think the cornerback room was the, was the position group that um, I think everyone was most concerned about, at least, you know, in particular on the defense, having been a Ravens fan for a long time, we've seen uh, what it looks like when the cornerback room is strong and when it, is weak. Um, and usually, uh, you know, it's a spate of injuries, um, that, you know, at some point in the season that leads, leads them to be using their fifth and sixth and seventh corners. Um, so we were, you know, I think reasonably concerned going into the season, but Brandon Stevens outperforming significantly outperforming expectations. I think Ronald Darby doing so as well. And, you know, Rocky scene putting in a solid effort at the start of the season, um, uh, along with the um, along with this scheme, uh, really help this group um, perform above our, all of our expectations. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. A scheme based um, advantage. I think the cornerbacks had a, a much lower uh, responsibility uh, set with a two, you know, showing a too high shell a lot of the time. It did put some extra pressure on the linebackers on the defensive line to try and contain the run on the safeties for that matter as well. I will say up front here, we're not going to talk about Kyle Hamilton in this episode. We may tangentially because I'm sure we'll hit on the the, the scheme component and and his uh, splitting time at at slot. But I'll include him with the safeties, uh, and we'll have uh, that discussion at that time. So we're talking about the other corners, and uh, you know, I think there was a lot of 
good unexpected news from this group, a lot of it from Darby, a lot of it from Stevens, but there's also some real failure in this group in terms of no young cornerback really stepping up and taking a role when with Marlon Humphrey out for a large stretches of the season, uh, four different times Humphrey was hurt for the Ravens. Um, you know, there, there wasn't any young quarterback who stepped up and took the job. No, there certainly wasn't. And some of that is some of that is injury, but some of that is just not seizing uh, the opportunity. I mean, Coyote Blue Kelly couldn't even make it out of camp, uh, which is unusual for a for a fifth rounder. Um, and, uh, and in addition, you know, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, uh, couldn't, couldn't really stay healthy and really hasn't made much of an impact when he's been out there. Although he did play some high value snaps this year, very, very limited. Uh, but, uh, but, um, you know, hasn't left much of an impression. Um, and certainly, you know, I think it would be hard to say that he's, you know, somebody we're relying on in next year and, you know, Pepe Williams, who everybody pegged as the next big thing at slot. I mean, seems to have been, you know, supplanted by at least, you know, four or five different guys who turned in really, really excellent effort at the slot position. I, I don't remember a year ever where we had as many corners, different corners play and contribute quality snaps to the slot corner position. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. Washington, Marlette, our, uh, our Darius Washington, all mm-hmm. played some time in slot, all looked very good. Occasionally, I guess they even had Humphrey there for yeah, big big time in the in the 49ers game. He played he played a decent amount in the slot. Um, and and you know we've known that for some time that you know Marlon is very capable um, uh, at both the slot and outside corner positions. We want to get and talk to each of these individual players a little, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the loss of Denard Wilson and how that could have a very significant impact on this unit. Um, the pressure is on again for the Ravens to hire another good position coach. Uh, I just did the first of these shows about on the defensive line, and uh, Anthony Weaver, of course, lost to the Dolphins' DC position. Denard Wilson lost to the Titans. Um, I, 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 both those guys replacing them is going to be a very difficult job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess I guess the only thing that I could say to that is that the uh, you know the Ravens have consistently identified and uh, groomed really excellent coaching talent, um, in particular on the defense on the defensive side. Uh, you know, our, our first of all, the Ravens' defensive coordinator position is one of the most coveted coordinator positions in the entire league. Um, you know, I, I I think there are probably as many or more head coaches to come out of uh, come out of that position than any other defensive coordinator position in the league during the Ravens time here. Um, it's, it's gotta be close. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pat's probably have had a good, good number as well. Um, uh, but, all, but that doesn't just start with the coordinator or doesn't end with the coordinator. Uh, it ends with a lot of the position coaches and, you know, this season the Ravens put together, probably the most impressive collection of position coaches uh, on the defensive side that they've ever had, um, which, you know, couple that with the incredible results that we got. It's it's not a surprise that they got poached, Um, but I I have every reason to believe that the Ravens will continue to, um, you know, have faith in their ability to reload at a lot of different spots. And I'm sure a lot of those, um, you know, in-house uh, a lot of those are in-house candidates. I, you know, they do always have great succession planning ready to go. And so they may have 
you know, assistant defensive backs coach who's ready to be the DB coach. But I think what you said earlier is very important that the, that the, since the coordinator positions are so um, sought after, in particular the, the the defensive coordinator position here in Baltimore, you know the possibility of moving into that role and looking down the line several years to when Zach Orr may be a head coach uh, is is just a, a very positive thing in terms of getting a high quality young um, defensive coach or position coach who's who might be very relatable to players might have a great future in the league and whatnot and you, you hope you can just continue to find those guys yeah and zach or actually was talking about this i think today um because uh, that's when i saw the quotes um he's already been in he said he's been very involved in the interview process for a lot of these uh positions and his attitude is uh, you know in the nfl you never stay exactly the same if you don't get better you get worse uh which is i think the right uh, attitude to take, um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be tough to fill uh, the shoes of all the, the coaching staff that was there last year. But I think the Ravens will have a, uh, a, a good plan to to address that. Yeah, I uh, agree completely. And, uh, you know, I said this on the other one, so I'm going to try and ask it as a question this time. In terms of John Harbaugh's contribution to this, um, how, how would you – peg that in terms of importance of his responsibilities? Well, um, I would, I would say that it's probably the, probably the, the, you know, top, top two or three things that he does that he's responsible for. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a play caller. He, you know, I, I know everybody's tired of the term CEO coach, but that, that is, you know, for better or for worse, what, what he is. Um, and, uh, you know, he focuses on, you know, establishing a culture. He focuses on um, and, and that carries through how um, how practices go and, and sort of uh, sort of mental toughness aspect of the game and, and, and everything like that. And and coaching staff, I mean, is is his purview, um, as we mentioned before. Um, so it, I, I would say it's at or near the top of his responsibilities. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same place, and I don't think you can get upset about good young coaches leaving, as is certainly the case with McDonald, who's getting a great opportunity, um, and and I'm sure he'll, um, you, you know, he he has a good chance to do very well with that in Seattle. But um, it, Harbaugh has built this group over and over, and this is how great coaching trees develop. Uh, the other thing I think is is maybe. Something that, that that people don't put as much value on. Obviously, the, the, the fact that this is Harbaugh's silo to make the hires on is is very important. And Bishotti, you know, being an organization guy and a hiring guy, I think very much believes in that. The other component is that just Harbaugh is doesn't strike me as a coach that would be intimidating or difficult to work for. He seems like the kind of boss that you'd want that it certainly gives you, you know, has expectations of you. But on the other hand, also allows you to basically run your unit and isn't stepping on your feet all the time over the headset to try and get you to do something different. A couple of coaches that, that definitely do not fall into this category, Mike Ditka with the Bears, I think he'd have basically substituted his judgment at any point in time for whoever was on that headset. And in fact, I remember the one time he had the heart attack. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I, I remember that. Like, you know, that 
very very fleetingly in in my mind so, okay yeah. so so he had a heart attack and the and, the, and the, the doctors basically told him you could be on the sideline but you can't you can't get on the microphone and be the head coach so the the first time they actually didn't want him even there but then he said oh no i'll just be on the sideline he'll sit on the bench he'll just sit there and not not use a headset so for the first half he could do that and then the second half he took over the headset again so obviously this is a guy who's not willing to give up control I think Mike Tomlin is the same way in terms of how he um, looks over the defense in Pittsburgh, regardless of who's actually running the defense. He may actually have that kind of a reaction about the offense. Brian Billick with coordinators that he had basically got rid of uh, fossil at midseason because it wasn't just a matter of, he didn't think it was, he was doing a good job. It's just, he's he's not, that's not really his way of doing it coming from this offensive genius your situation in Minnesota where he'd been recognized that way, letting somebody else make the calls. It just wasn't all that comfortable for him. I don't think so. You know, I don't see Harbaugh as the kind of coach who basically is consistently needling and substituting his judgment for whoever's making the play calling. There may be times he has a, has a talk at halftime saying, Hey, we got to open it up. That was actually caught on video for, for the 2012 AFC championship game. Yep. But I, I honestly don't believe that happens very often with the Ravens. Well, he alleges that he discussed running the ball more in this game. Um, so whether that means that Lamar decided to audible out of every single play or Todd Munkin just uh, decided, you know what? I, you know, I think I know better. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, but, uh, but you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll see what it looks like next year. Right. All right, so uh, a coaching change. Let's talk players a little bit because I think that's uh, – w- well, like, actually, let's talk some schematic elements here first. We're not going to talk about Kyle Hamilton, although he certainly played a lot of big nickel uh, this year, was extremely effective at it, and I think that the the use of a safety at slot corner was extremely valuable, and it was also kind of a double-edged sword for the, for the Ravens in that they didn't always have – the number of healthy safeties active they needed to fill the back end to allow Hamilton to stay up at slot. Yeah. I mean, certainly that would have been the ideal configuration. Luckily um, uh, there was some pretty, pretty solid play um, from combination of Washington and Mollette mostly uh, well, Mollette by far because uh, mm-hmm. Washington was injured for a good portion of the year um, that allowed them to, uh, you know, do, maintain the scheme uh, that they really wanted to, because I think the idea of the scheme was sort of predicated on not leaving, uh, you know, corners on an island. I think that um, I think that the Ravens had had enough of that, um, uh, given given recent um, recent schemes that uh, oftentimes uh, left corners with with no help. And I, I think the Ravens also recognized that they had a lot of strength at the safety position. And also that's sort of a, they can take advantage of sort of a, I don't know if you want to call it a market inefficiency or whatever, but they were able to sp- spend m- more on safeties who are less expensive uh, and get more impact out of them than try to get these top shelf corners, you know, who, who are extremely expensive or otherwise difficult to come by. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I, I and corner is one of the positions you pay a lot for, and you can pay it in cap or you can pay it in draft capital. But either way, you you spend a lot on that position. Uh, safety is is cheaper, and and the Ravens got a you know a superstar 
top five talent drop into their lap at 14 in terms of Hamilton. And, and that has really worked out, obviously. And, and he's become the, the most significant player on their defense in terms of, of how they utilize him. Even I, while Roquan is the leader, I think uh, Hamilton's usage is, is that much more significant. Uh, two high shells a lot this year. Uh, obviously reduced the, the 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 responsibility, but also introduced a lot of rotational coverage that I think was very effective at at reducing CB responsibilities. For sure, I mean, I think, and and I think that this was actually you know predicated on this idea that the corners were not going to be quite as good as it, it was emphasizing the fact that the balance of talent was in the safety room more so than the cornerback room, I think, um, and. But then I think the Ravens realized that even though, you know, Brandon Stevens was performing quite admirably, as was Darby, uh, who, who were, you know, covering on the outside for most of the season. Um, I, I don't think that anybody ever gave them a reason to really shy away from it. You know, I think they kind of, you know, mixed in some, you know, man concepts here and there. Um, but, but the, you know, the, the whole idea was to have this too high shell as uh, sort of the, the the basic kind of idea that they were going to roll with this scheme that they were going to roll with for most of the season. Yep. And uh, uh, they truly got some outstanding pass rush results from that slot corner position, which is is really a group effort. Hamilton there for three sacks in, in a half against uh, uh, Indianapolis. and But also Ardarius Washington had a sack against Houston, and Mollette had two sacks. So – you know, the, the position just gave them a lot of pass rush uh, capabilities during the season. And I think that that's going to be something that um, we're going to see uh, a lot of other NFL teams copy next season. They're going to try yeah. to find uh, different ways to get their slot corners involved. Um, and and they're going to consider, I mean, it, you know, it's it's hard to find uh, a Kyle Hamilton, right? But, but they're going to consider, uh, I think, bigger, longer corners. Uh, in the slot, which has traditionally been smaller, shiftier guys, because everybody's concerned about keeping up with these like really tiny, shifty receivers, which, you know, I think the Ravens are saying, you know what, we're actually content with you trying to, you know, get five yard completions to that guy 20 times. If you want to get him involved, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're going to mess up at some point or you're not going to get enough yardage. Um, we're fine with, you know, not having to match that guy's step for step. Yeah, the Ravens certainly, they forced other teams into playing a lot of small ball, getting the ball out quick. Uh, had tremendously complementary interaction between what the secondary did in terms of coverage and what the pass rush did. Uh, and and it's it, it was an all-11 men defense, certainly, from, from, from that standpoint. There wasn't anybody with a real minimal role in those terms, whether it's you know extra pass rusher, zone defense underneath, the, the corners and safeties for sure doing their things, the, the safeties – rotating to a, to a different coverage than what was apparent at the start. A lot of the times it was just a, it was a joy to watch. Uh, I hope some of that. And and I think the organiz- the Ravens have a good organizational memory of things that you don't just clean the slate and install a new defense or a new offense for that matter, when things have been somewhat successful in the past. So they lost wink and it's they didn't completely throw away what Wink did. I know Wink was was a pressure first, pressure is the fastball guy, but they didn't they didn't throw all that away in terms of uh, even the hiring of Chuck Smith, say, to try and improve their their individual pass rushing skills. 
No, and I, 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 I agree. I mean, I think I, you know, um, I'm not one to defend Wink too much, but uh, I do think that he was uh, playing with uh, less talent in terms of the pass rush, like Owe hadn't quite developed or was injured quite a bit. Um, and so um, I don't think he was really able to get home with four uh, the way that uh, McDonald uh, was able to with the talent that he had at his disposal. So certainly understand that. Um, and I think another example of what you're um, – what you're alluding to in terms of not throwing the baby out the bathwater when you get a new coordinator is, uh, is Munkin leading is still leading the NFL and rushing. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody thought that it was going to become this extremely pass happy offense, um, which for most of the season was not the case. Um, and, uh, and the Ravens were able to successfully continue rushing as well as, uh, you know, uh, use you know patrick ricard in key moments um when you know at the beginning of the season we were wondering whether ricard would even have a role on this team yeah that's a it's great analogy there i love it let's move on talk about some individual players brandon stevens um emergence this year is one of the two big ravens to step forward uh this season and there are others too i mean you could you could pick a guy like hamilton as as taking that uh, you know another big step forward but i think linderbaum in terms of his improvement as a pass blocker and stevens in terms of his um ability to, to to stand up to a lot of targeting on the outside and hold down that right corner position for essentially the entire season. He did miss the Miami game. He was inactive for that, but he played every other game and played almost every other snap in every other game. Uh, just missed a handful. And, uh, you know, he was targeted a lot during the early season, uh, but he held up very well to that. Uh, didn't have a lot of penalties early on. Um, it's just remarkable for me for a guy who's bounced around a lot to finally find his home, be left alone. And I don't think there's any way in hell the Ravens move him again. No, certainly not. I, I mean, he's clearly, he's clearly found a home on the outside. Uh, the, you know, the ability to play as many snaps as he did stay healthy, be physical um, and, and just hold up, you know, in the biggest moments um, is tremendous. And, and, you know, he actually, um, even when things didn't necessarily go his way, he proved he had the ability to have a short memory that you want mm-hmm. corners to have. Um, and, uh, you know, anybody that gets targeted that much, I mean, is going to give up some, some big plays. I mean, it's just, it's a numbers game. And, um, but Stevens came out, uh, certainly ahead, uh, of, of, of that numbers game, uh, and, and played extremely well. Um, you know, and, and the exciting thing is, is that, you know, he hasn't played that much corner prior to this season. So uh, you, you could, I think, very reasonable to project given his age and given, you know, what more experience he could have, particularly after a full year under his belt. You can project uh, some some improved play. Um, so, you know, when you which to me makes him certainly a candidate for uh, an early extension as soon as possible, seems like a classic you know, Ravens move, but I think that they also need to temper that with the idea that, uh, you know, you played in this extremely corner friendly, um, environment. Um, so they have to, you know, they have to dis- determine how much of it was him, how much of it was a scheme and what they can project from him going forward. Yeah. Great point. And they're going to want to extend him this off season if they can, this is actually the first time he can be extended right, right now. Um, and, 
it, it's going to be a tough nut to swallow given the um, um, limited cap they have, given what they may have to do with Matabike to get him, you know, on to the tag and then off of it. Hopefully, before you know, long before the season starts, I would hope. Um, but they're going to they're going to have to you know move around some money to to make this work. I, he is one of the players that I think I would go ahead and pull the trigger on. He both he and Linderbaum have. In my opinion, they have a season of of gains to consolidate this next year. I just want them each to be approximately as good as they were this year. Even in in some in both cases, probably a slight regression is okay. Uh, a big regression is not. But I think we we've they they've overplayed expectation by such a level that in each case, I'd say I would just love for them to be able to hold on to. To, to what they have or, or, or fairly close to that. And there will be other natural gains that, that come with time. But Stevens doesn't have to take a big stop, step forward. He had 6.9 yards per target allowed. What he needs to do is prove that those those gains are real, as you mentioned, with, with regard to the, the system and whatnot. I think in his case, I think he was tested enough that we probably know a little bit more. And that's one of the reasons why I'm willing to willing to go for the contract right now. I agree. I think he's he's one of you know, probably the top three priorities um, as far as extensions. And, uh, and, you know, I hope, I hope to see him in a Ravens uniform for a long time uh, because, you know, I think that, uh, you know, outside corner is where the real need is um, when it comes to the secondary right now. So 6.9 yards per target for, for Stevens. He though did not finish the season particularly well. Maybe another reason for consolidated gains. He needs, he gave up almost nine yards, sorry, almost 10 yards per target over his last four games uh, and had three penalties in his last five games. So he only had five for the season. Didn't give up a bunch of touchdowns, which is nice. Um, uh, again, I, I could not be happier with, with what happened on the season other than how it ended. Um, uh, sure. for Stevens in particular, but uh, uh, he's he's a guy who uh, uh, who I think the Ravens are going to be depending on for the future. Um, if not, he'll be a he'll be a, a a player the Ravens will it will hurt to lose after the 2024 season. For sure, uh, you know, and and it certainly behooves um, behooves them to try to uh, get this you know, ironed out as quickly as possible, uh, which is, I think, what the Ravens generally try to do anyways, but um, uh, but uh, certainly before he uh, increases his market value. Uh, you know, I, I mean, a repeat of last year or anything even close to it would, would send his market value through the roof, I think. Right. I, I would agree if he had two years to go on and he basically played all the snaps. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Ronald Darby, another big surprise in this defense. Ronald Darby... It's, in some ways, he can't surprise you because he's been around the league forever. He's now, what, about 31 years old or so? I'll look that up really quickly. I know when uh, Kyle Fuller was out in Denver, Ronald Darby was the guy who replaced him there. Uh, Fuller was benched twice during the season. Um, but Darby actually is has just turned 30 on January 2nd. So... Yeah, honestly, maybe a little bit younger than I thought he was, but had a terrific year. Uh, started off the season, Humphrey was hurt. He and Stevens had to start on the outside. He did split time with Rock Yassin early on. Then he pushed Yassin out of the role entirely. Yeah, I, I, Darby was another, uh, you know, very pleasant surprise. I mean, I think that we, you know, we're all pretty concerned when um, when we thought, you know, Darby and Yassin were going to figure very prominently into the early portion of the season. Um 
uh, when, when Marlon was hurt. Um, but he's really, I mean, he really outperformed his paycheck. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly say that. I mean, he, he, he was extremely, uh, he was extremely sticky in his coverage. He was physical, uh, pretty good in run, run support. As I, as I recall, uh, really just brought a full, you know, skill set to the table and can't, can't complain at all about his performance. Yeah, good good downhill player. 5.9 yards per target was the fifth best among all NFL wow. corners with 300-plus coverage snaps. And, you know, his coverage snaps, they got cut not for good reasons, as it turned out, I'd say. I mean, Rock Yassin was taking some of his snaps, which, honestly, in retrospect, it, it probably would have just been better if, if it had been Darby the entire time. Uh, and number number two is that Humphrey came back, and Humphrey was good, but honestly, he wasn't any better than Darby this year. Uh, even though he, you know, certainly was was not bad, but he, you know, he his four separate. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, stints of injury that he had meant Darby came back and and played an awful lot of important snaps for this Ravens team. Would would you agree that I think that in the beginning of the season, I mean, we were sort of viewing the top two outside corners as Humphrey and Yassin. I yep. mean, at, 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 and 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 the Ravens were too. I think as far as how they uh, who they who they paid um, and uh, and and yeah, I mean, I think. It, you know, I mean, it's nice to see, you know, a meritocracy. Uh, that's a credit to the, to the coaching staff. They 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 said, you know, well, okay, we paid Yassin, but you know, Darby's playing better, and Dar- Darby certifiably um, took his spot on the depth chart. I mean, um, I agree with you. I don't necessarily see, know that Humphrey out outperformed Darby, but he is, you know, he's a very experienced corner. He's an emotional leader. He and, you know, for for my money, you know. Humphrey's a guy that I view personally as the as the best Ravens corner of all time. I know a lot of people will think Chris McAllister, but um, I just love Humphrey's versatility, his ability to basically play anywhere uh, on on the field, and just his his physical game. Um, I, I really just you know think he's he 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 has that kind of it factor, um, and so that probably uh, is is kind of what the Ravens were were looking at when they were deciding you know, on snaps between him and him and Darby, but Darby filled in admirably. Yeah. It's the AFC championship game. Now does the stage does not get any bigger. It certainly didn't for the Ravens this year, but um, Darby started the game. Humphrey came in, played most of that second chief's drive before he had to leave. And he was done for the game at that point. 
So everybody wanted Humphrey back, but the truth of the matter is the that that Darby had really played very well and uh, and uh, took them basically through this season with some uh, with some wonderful play. Uh, I think there is a real question of whether he comes back or not, and 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 that's part of it's going to be about what contract he might get offered. But what do you think is the likelihood that he'll be back? You know, I I certainly don't think it's. I, I wouldn't even peg it as unlikely. Um, you know, I think it could, you know, could go either way. I think it may even just be, you know, how things turn out, um, you know, how quickly there's a resolution. Uh, if there is a resolution to the uh, Matabike, uh, you know, thing, it may just be a numbers game. Um, you know, I think, I think they'll prioritize Stevens, who's younger, who has, uh, you know, who's been healthier throughout his career. Um and, uh, and, and so, it, you know, he, he, he may be Darby may end up being just a numbers casualty, but I'd probably have him in like a, you know, top six or seven, you know, players to resign. And I think he could be had at a fairly reasonable price. I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't know that there are teams that are going to be out there saying, I want him as my number two corner. Right. Um, I think, but I think that he would be viewed very highly as a number three, you know, corner that who's either rotating in or steps in, uh, you know, throughout the season. And that's what I say too, is he's really the fourth corner for most teams in the NFL after the, after the nickel for most teams and the, and the two outside guys, right. but there, there aren't many teams that would, I don't think want him any higher than that. Uh, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe that maybe somebody else should give him a better deal, but my guess is there's some team out there with a lot of cap to spend that says uh, Darby two years six million, two years five million, two years seven million even um, sure. after after the year he had here. Uh, let's move on. Talk about Arthur Mallette a little bit. He was a one year deal, two hundred thousand guaranteed on a vet min salary. Um, Mallette was absent during camp. Uh, didn't play. I don't. I believe he played it all during the preseason, but he but he basically he almost he hardly saw any of them even at camp uh, in terms of making plays. He got hurt. It was one of the big rotations they had to work through with Ardarius Washington eventually getting the role coming out of the preseason um, at that nickel where uh, it, it had been uh, Pepe, then Brandon Stevens, then Mollette, or maybe it was Mollette, then Brandon Stevens. I'm trying to actually remember. And then Ardarius Washington was really their fourth choice at the spot. And then, uh, uh, you know, they went, they started the season with Ardarius Washington and then, and then Mollette came back and uh, he played pretty well. I thought as well as could be expected in terms of, of what he does, did give up uh, 8.33 yards per target, which for the Ravens was kind of high this year. Yeah. I, I, I think he, he still probably outperformed what, what um you know m- might have otherwise been expected of him but um uh, certainly and certainly when that sort of reshuffling happened where all of a sudden you know we're thinking you know our Darius Washington is going to be you know ahead of him and then he comes in and, and, and steps in I think Mallette is actually we kind of look at him as the you know player who made it over Caillou Blue Kelly um, if I recall correctly, he might have been, you know, you know, around that, you know, edge of the roster. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, I, you know, I think that the, the Ravens kind of saw something in him. They'd probably seen him, you know, a number of times in Pittsburgh. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, he proved to be versatile and capable, uh, not, you know, not, not a star by any means, but, uh, you know, role player that you're not afraid to put out there. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't strike me as a, as a, you know, particular liability or anything like that. Yeah. Good, good downhill player. Um, it d- did enough in coverage that I think was, was solid and, and didn't kill. And also probably honestly really benefited from the scheme as well in terms of just having a, a, a lot of zone defense, a lot of help from the safeties, a lot of cover over the top that to to make his situation not as bad. He did give up one long pass, and I'm trying to remember what game it was in, but uh, uh, positive season for Amolette. And I don't think he costs you any more this year coming off the year he had, and I think it, it probably makes a lot of sense for the Ravens to keep him. Where are you on that? I agree. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll cost a ton. Um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, similar level of, uh, you know, guarantees, uh, you know, to show a little good, good faith. Um, you know, he, and it seemed like he liked playing here. He liked turning that up against the Steelers in particular. Seems like he's got, you know, some, uh, some, some trip on his shoulder, uh, for them. And that's always good to see. Um, yeah, no, he's a good role player and, um, and, I'd be happy to have him back. All right, let's go, let's talk a little bit about the year Marlon Humphrey had, and I, I just punctuated by injury on on four separate occasions. So to, to remind people, he missed the first four games of the series season, and they did not place him on IR at that time. So he re- returned at week five, and that ends up being a mistake because the Ravens could have had yeah. an extra player on the roster during that time. Then he he did not play between weeks eleven and thirteen. I think thirteen was the Ravens' bye, if I recall correctly. So it really means he didn't play in it for two weeks in there. Uh, then he didn't play in the divisional game versus Houston, so that's obviously is a is a big loss at that point. And then he came back for the AFC Championship game, but as we mentioned earlier, he left after well midway through that second Chiefs drive. Didn't start, played the second drive, and then and then missed uh, the last three plays of that drive and the rest of the game. So. Uh, tough year for Humphrey on the injury front. I think, you know, he was trying to be out there. He probably, there were probably times during the year where he wanted to return and the Ravens might've even held him back, but uh, just a very tough injury year for him. Well, you know, Ken, it is very important to have Marlon Humphrey out there on that field goal block team. You know, uh, that's, <laughs> that's what we paid him all that money for, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, he could have gotten hurt on, on, on any play, uh, you know, sometimes it's a, you know, cramping up hydration sort of deal. Um, um, but it, it really sucks to lose a player of his caliber on a, uh, on a play like that. But, uh, but, uh, I'm sure Marlon wanted to be out there, you know, every, every snap, he, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that would play on, on, on one leg if they'd let him. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and it pains me to say, but you know, Marlon's played a lot of football, uh, and this was a pretty injury marred season. I mean, he he keeps himself in in outstanding shape. I think he's probably you know one of the most you know committed to maintaining his physique players on on, on the Ravens. Uh, just something I've observed throughout the years, and uh, you know, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he came back and had a you know completely healthy season uh, next year. Uh, but at the same time, he has logged a ton of snaps. Um, he's an extremely physical player. And, uh, you know, it's it's possible that this is the beginning of a you know stage in his career where he's, you know, 
you're not going to you're not going to be able to reasonably expect that you get you know that you know 15th 16th and 17th game out of him and if that's the case that really highlights all the more reason why they need to uh, extend uh, uh, Stevens as quickly as possible yeah extend Stevens and probably also get younger at the position which we'll get to a little later I think um uh, you know Humphrey was very good when he was out there this year he had 381 coverage snaps he's only targeted 40 times that's uh you know just a little over 10 percent is not terrible certainly for a corner and when he was targeted that wasn't particularly successful 6.1 yards per target I know everybody's going to remember the touchdown pass given up the 41 yard touchdown pass to Pickens that lost the Steelers game uh that'd be a very fair lone memory to take from this year for Marlon Humphrey now if, if the general injury problems much more um not good and and something yeah. I think people will also um recognize but a, a really good player when uh when active still a big physical presence still defends the boundary well and you know honestly I think he's one of the the Ravens that's really important to return healthy but I think he's also a, a good probability to do so next year I think so I don't I you know I don't think the nature of the injuries uh based on what we've seen uh, should suggest that um, um, should suggest that he's going to have anything uh, lingering. I mean, if he looked really excellent, you know, in in physical shape against the 49ers. um, So I think the injury after that to the calf, I think that was just a completely different animal and, um, and doesn't really feel to me like it's tied to, um, to anything else. And, you know, I think maybe just a little bit bad luck this season for, for Marlon. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Our Darius Washington, we talked about him winning the slot corner role with a big camp in preseason, had a sack of Stroud in week one, which was certainly nice. Off to a fine start through two games, 5.9 yards per target uh, before he was hurt. Uh, but then he did not come back from that injury he suffered in week two. It was late in that game. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. But he did not see any action again until the AFC Championship game when he played two snaps in relief of Molat. Yeah, it's a real it's a real shame um, for for Ardarius because I think that this really tremendously impacted uh, the money that he's going to you know see next year, um, and you know he has to be really strategic about uh, you know how he wants to how he wants to proceed. But um, uh, I. I, I guess the thing that I would say is, uh, you know, it's a chest injury um, that he already, you know, got got surgery for right then and there, and was and the fact that he was able to, first of all, it's very encouraging the fact that he was able to come back the same season, uh, just in terms of prognosticating uh, into the future, and also, um, you know, chest injury doesn't really worry me in the way that a you know lower body injury would worry me for a corner, sure, um, it, you know. It's it's when you start getting the ACLs and Achilles and you know all that you know all that stuff plantar fasciitis uh, all, all that stuff is awful um, for for a uh, for a corner and so I wouldn't expect that uh, you know that Washington would have any lingering effects from this going in, in, in the next year. Now I, you said something there that that has me had me want to take a look here yeah our our Darius Washington he's one of the odd ones in terms of his years of service but he's only a year two player in 2023 so it'll be a year three player in 2023 so the Ravens actually still have control for two more years uh which is nice you know instead of one and I know he he, he, a lot of people he did come out of a of a 
undrafted, but of a of a uh, class that would expect that he would have. You think you expect he'd have three seasons right now, but he doesn't. So uh, that at least breaks in the Ravens' favor. And uh, of course, really sad that it didn't really work out for any of the young cornerbacks this year. Jalen Armour Davis, obviously, um, he was okay in camp. Still could not find the ball in the air to save his life. I mean, he's he's a tall guy who can run with a lot of wide receivers. That's the good part about Jalen Armadex. The bad thing is he, he just can't avoid penalties because he can't find the ball in the air. And he hasn't developed the, the skills yet to figure out how to track a receiver by touch, say, you're just keeping your right yeah. hand or, or, or playing by the hand fighting. Um, he's just not there yet. No, he's not. Um, you know, but they did um... – he did have some kind of s- surprising snaps, uh, you know, in, in game. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember which game it was that he played some pretty, pretty high, high leverage snaps um, and, you know, extremely small sample size, but uh, acquitted himself kind of nicely. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm wondering whether the Ravens have sort of started seeing some, something during practices from him um, a little bit. You know, he certainly wouldn't be the first, second or 10th Raven to kind of, you know, take, you know, in, into their third year before things start to click. Um, so uh, certainly, you know, a possibility, uh, but he's going to have to show something. He's going to have to show some real improvement uh, to make this team next year. It's definitely not a given. Um for him I, I would agree and this is this is a big off season for jad to go out and get the position specific training he needs to excel in this league he's obviously missed out some of it due to injuries some of it maybe due to, to just you know lack of of um going and getting it but he hasn't he hasn't figured out how to track the football in the air there's people he can go to that are are gurus at cornerback play who would be able to teach him yep. some of the techniques that would that would mitigate his deficiencies in that era area and and it, he's he's a guy obviously who, who still doesn't have a ton of experience playing the position it can't be an excuse anymore he's he's in year 3 the ravens only have him for for two more years and if he has a bad camp next year he could be out it's not uh, not uh, outside the realm of possibility Let's move on. We'll talk about Pepe Williams a little bit. Hurt for much of the season. They did eventually reinstate him with one of their eight. They used every single one of their IR DTRs this year, which is really, it's pretty cool that the Ravens were able to manipulate the roster and it pretty well sucked because they still had one more they could have done. Um, it would have been JAD returning for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. But but they they uh, the, the league put in restrictions, cutting the number to eight. Yeah, uh, you know, to my mind, Pepe is actually in a worse position than Jalen Armour Davis, even though he's probably shown more um, on the field. Not much more, but more. Um, but, uh, but you know, we just have a lot at slot corner, um, starting with Hamilton. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I think that a number of players that were likely to, you know, re-sign um, – that uh you know will probably be logging snaps ahead of pepe and he just he hasn't been healthy uh which is which is unfortunate um you know this is an important training camp for him as well if he shows something even if he shows something uh you know i think it may be um tough sledding for him yeah i i would uh i would agree with that he's he's at a crossroads here and you know it's difficult to to get there and you know it's the last thing the player wants to hear 
on a season where they basically spend it on IR and rehabbing and trying to get well so they could play. And then they don't get, he didn't play any defensive snaps for the Ravens this year. I mean, not, not one, even though he was active for, I believe a couple of games where he played special teams. Um, so that was, that was a little unfortunate. Uh, we got three others that we're not going to talk about individually. Seymour, uh, Trace Willing and uh, Trayvon Mullen, uh, three guys who uh, various, Issues. Mullen spent the year on NFI, so the Ravens didn't pay him effectively. Yeah. But they also re-signed him to a contract for 2024, so he will still be around. Uh, Trace Willing uh, been on the practice squad most of the year. He's probably one of the few developmental guys that's really on the roster, and he could compete for a a, a role on the kind of the bottom of the CB depth chart for this next season. Um, and then Seymour, who's been a great special teams player for the Ravens. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, I was probably I, I think I was surprised that we didn't see more of see more than we did. Uh, but I think that just goes to show that, um, you know, the Ravens got quality contributions and health from their guys at the uh, top of the roster other than um, other than Marlon being injured a, a good amount. Yeah, well, they could they certainly could have brought Seymour up. I, I don't think he had three activations. So they could have done more with him in terms of activating. They just always seemed to need another position. So they were. Um, they were dealing with that. Well, let's look ahead to 2024. Obviously, one of my big things for this group is they didn't get old by getting old any more than a team normally does. Everybody ages a year. Hey, that's the that's the rules, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, but they got old because they had a tilt in their play where the older players like Mallette and Darby played well, and the younger players like JAD, Pepe, and uh, Trayvon Mullen disappointed and had developmental setbacks. I, and I guess the one trend breaker in there is Stevens, who still is a year three player and not, you know, what I would, you know, going into year three and uh, no, just coming out of year three now, he's going yeah. into year four, who I, is not what I consider to be a young player anymore. You know, young, young players, you still have some of the initial hourglass of sand to look forward to. And, and uh, it's uh, already draining out for him. Yeah, uh, you know they need to. You know, it seems it seems like uh, you know DaCosta tries to you know take a swing at a, a you know mid round corner almost every year. Um, worked out in the case of Stevens has not worked out in the case of JD Pepe. Certainly, Kaya Blue Kelly was a big miss um, mm-hmm. this this past year. Um, you know, I, I hope that they go back to. Um, you know, and, and remember one of the most successful, you know, late round corner picks of all time, which was Ladarius Webb coming out of Nickel State. And uh, he he uh, he really, um, you know, I think I think he he showed a really technically sound game. He just came out of a very small school. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and uh, I really think that, uh, you know, sometimes they look at these corners at some of these uh, you know bigger schools who uh didn't really show that much on tape um and uh, and and so you know i i hope DaCosta and the and the scout team does a little self-scouting on on what some of the recent failures have been you know that's a really good point because DaCosta kind of made his name 
with his small school scouting operation and the willingness to go out and get a Zach Seedler and, and other, other people long before that. Webb is an excellent example, a third round pick. I mean, the Ravens went high for him. Brandon Williams, third round pick. Ravens, I mean, they, these are high mid round selections, kind of like Stevens that, that you, you, they really have to work out at a significant rate. To, to, for for that to be a reasonable strategy, but the Costa had done a wonderful job of scouting from from the small schools. It seems like since Ozzy's retired, he's he's um, regressed to many more Power Five picks, which has been a little bit surprising to me. I would have thought, you know, more of his small school moxie would have shown up, and he just said, you know, I, I look, I've proven for years I know better than these other people by putting Ozzy in a position to be the trigger puller on, on a lot of these small school guys. I can do it myself, but, uh, but that really hasn't been the case. And I'd love to see them get back to that and, and, uh, and take some big swings from small schools. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really take uh you know, I can draft a corner from Bama, you know, that's not, <laughs> you know, but where you, you know, where, where you can really uh, make your, your bones in the later rounds is by, you know, showing that you trust your, your scouts and, uh, and uh, sort of, you know, what, what they're seeing, you know, out there, uh, and, uh, and seeing if you can coach some of these guys up to take it to the next level. Yeah. Uh, draft priority for cornerback. I would, I put it pretty high on my list. I know people are saying edge and corner and wide receiver. They always say those positions, by the way, they always right. say those positions. Um, offensive tackle is very clearly number one to me. And a guy specifically totally. who played left tackle is, is number one, but cornerback might be right after that. Yeah, I don't think I would have a problem with somebody saying corner is number two priority. Um, I mean, like I, I completely agree with you. I think offensive tackle is far in a way. I mean, it's I think it's cavernous between offensive tackle and whatever the number two priority is. Um, um, just you know, just in terms of you know forward uh, thinking, thinking into the future. Um, and, uh, and, and just looking to where the, you know, age of the roster and possible injury concerns might be, you know, season can get derailed so quickly with bad corner play Yep. and it's, and it's really expensive, really difficult to find a mid season replacement that's of any quality. And it's just, it's really important to have a lot of depth. Um, so I, I don't think corner is necessarily like a, it, so much of a pr- problem for the Ravens right now I think more so it's just such a needy hungry position that like requires restocking every year you can't you can't miss on 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 restocking it because if you do you you do so at your own peril yeah now completely agree DeCosta often compares them to pitchers as a position where you need a lot of uh, of extra depth there um, that and the the need to find that next great DB coach seems to be the 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 big question for the 2024 Ravens at corner. Obviously, they're going to deal with health issues. They're going to have to try and you know get a healthy Humphrey for as long as they can get a healthy Humphrey for next year, and they're going to have to hope that Brandon Stevens can can turn in a similar year. Um, but they they also are going to just have to do some of it by not hope and just by accumulating good depth. Uh, as well as good coaching. Right, I, I agree. Uh, just uh, just saying, I, I I agree, and uh, and you know, I'm looking forward to see how they, um, you know, with the likely departure of you know maybe 
uh, you know, possibly likely departure of Geno Stone, you know, how they're going to, whether they're going to maintain this too high shell um, philosophy and how that'll impact uh, how much they prioritize corner. All right, Slava, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Uh, really enjoyed doing the One Last Thing show with you. Uh, if, if you never listened to a One Last Thing, a lot of very interesting stuff from the game, some of it kind of funny, some of it uh, other stuff, just interesting things that irked us or uh, – uh, you know, we're interesting in some way or another in terms of being a trend for the Ravens. Uh, that's what that show was about. And I thought it, it was a lot of fun to do with Slava and I hope we can continue it next year. Uh, Slava, tell folks where you can, they can talk football with you online. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S L A V A K U P E R S T E I N. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMS are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you. We'll be doing another historical season uh, uh, historical series this offseason. I think we're going to be focusing on individual players who've kind of been lost in, in the collective memory of Ravens fans, but uh, stand out to individuals and why that player was important to you. So if you'd like to do such a show, uh, call me, uh, sorry, DM me on Twitter and uh, and I'll talk it over with you and see if there's a good show to be had there and we'll make a list pretty quickly. Uh, I know some popular players show up. We don't have to do uh, the greatest players of all time. You don't have, we don't have to do Terrell Suggs or Ray Lewis in this group. Everybody knows who those guys were. I'm really looking for the guys who are one level down, um, who were important role players for the team, uh, who did key things in, in, in key seasons and even in not key seasons. But I want to hear from you on that. For, uh, Slava, really appreciate you coming on again for this show. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.